This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammie here. Today on the podcast, Melanie Field, who you might know as Joe from the amazing Amazon series, League of Their Own. Well, we love that. And this is a very good chat, but you know what else is going to be good? I am going on tour this midwinter, spring. I don't know. I'll be in Seattle March 5th. One show sold out. Second show was added. Burlington, Vermont, March 9th through 11th. I think most of those shows are now sold out. Boston, that was sold out. So we added a second show. Denver, the 6th to the 8th of April. Uh, Washington, D.C., April 23rd. Dallas, Texas, May 3rd and 4th. Austin, Texas, May 6th. Houston, Texas, May 10th and 11th. Go to CameronEsposito.com for shows. Nope, not for shows, for tickets. Oh, see you there. Whatever you want. I'm I'm cool. I have nothing to do. <laughs> Truly. Well, that can't be true because you have cornflakes in the background, so you gotta get you gotta so, get into those. Is it me or does it look like I set that up for um like I feel like so no, my, that's my not husband you. Sits, like I like what are it, they paying you? Like it truly looks like like my husband sits here for all of his meetings and I walked by the other day and I was like, it looks like you were like, let me make this kitchen look a little lived in. And like, you put a bag, you put the cornflakes, you put like the, the butter. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> no, they're not paying me, honestly. <laughs> they should. <laughs> well, yeah, man. Those are, you know what I'm saying? It's, uh, oh my God. We got to do it. That's so funny. How I always start the podcast. And by the way, the cornflakes stuff is totally going in there. So you're going to get paid. Um, oh, I can't wait. Yeah, cornflakes, yeah, yeah. if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I always have folks start the podcast by introducing themselves. So that's just a little bit of a cold open that we just did. But now we're going to get really into it. So can you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I am Melanie Field. Mm -hmm. What might they know you from that's like recently happened? You may recently know me from A League of Their Own uh, series on Amazon. Yeah. I play Joe. Mm -hmm. What a cutie. (laughs) Joe. Uh, Joe? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> what do you think? Do I you really, agree? I'm actually obsessed with her. It's like one of the only characters I've ever played. I'm actually just trying to think if I'm going to be wrong about this. No, I think that I've liked every character I've ever played, but I have not been obsessed with every character I've ever done. And this oh, yeah. is a character that I'm obsessed with, that I miss, that I like think about, that I like She's not a real person, but in my mind, I'm like, I wonder what Joe would be up to. Like, I truly like, I can't leave, like, I can't let her go. It's very weird. Yeah, she's the cutest. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff to say about, like, what's going on with that character. Love, Mm -hmm. queer, friendship, which we really almost never Mm -hmm. get to see. I mean, what's happening on the L word is not that because everybody fucks each other. And I have people in my life that I'm friends with that are queer that I don't fuck. Um, Yeah. And you know, love that. And the, honestly, the only place I can really remember seeing it and having it be like, really feel right was, um, in Orange is the New Black. 
Like mm-hmm. there were some, it's like these people wouldn't get together and then they didn't. And like, it was clear that they wouldn't get together. And then the show let that happen, that they didn't yes, get together. That they didn't get together and they were just friends and, uh-huh. and, you know, and like also leaning on each other for survival, which, yeah, you know, them being in prison and all. Um, yeah, I agree. I think um, that's my favorite thing about League is the, you know, yes, the like kissing in the, you know, um, kissing in the closet love stories are like fun and exciting, but I am obsessed with the platonic love that is in the show, especially obviously Joe and Greta, I feel Mm -hmm. very connected to because of being in that. But Mm -hmm. even with like Jess's character, uh, Kelly McCormick's character um, named Jess, I never know. Like, do I say the actor's name? Do I say the character's name? I just feel like there's a lot of non-sexualized. Yeah queer love and queer yeah friendship and queer family building that i like think is so special about the show yeah me too a hundred percent and the and you know um also just like real talk darcy carden very nice yeah wonderful one beyond very nice beyond smart really nice so nice she is an angel on this earth she she is like you know we met i did not know her before doing league um I was a fan from afar. And <laughs> when I went to my audition, I think it was one of my second or third audition, like one of my callbacks, um, they just kind of sprung it on me like, oh, just so you know, Darcy's here and she's going to be reading with you guys. And I was like, <laughs> you know, a little bit like, okay, Darcy's here and like, oh, this is oh different, you know, getting, <laughs> getting all this info in real time. Um, but we, I walked in the room and... I, it's it's funny because we've done a lot of interviews together and we'll t- we'll both talk about it. So I know it's not just me. It was just like instant crazy chemistry, like chemistry like I have never felt with a stranger, let alone someone I'm like about to act with. And it was so easy and so fun and just like naturally lived in. Like, I honestly do not think I would have given as good an audition if it were, had been anybody else. Like we just like meshed clicked immediately it was amazing and part of that is because she's an incredible actress but it was like it was beyond that it was like just personality wise energy wise spirit wise we just like hit it off i've had that experience it just means you're supposed to have the job yeah that's kind of how i felt yeah (laughs) i was like this is right this means something like there's something here and i mean also i will say um obviously known kate berlant for a very long time just Mm -hmm. stand up so cute to see her like really rocking that character and abby is also great and does a great the job best. in this show so that's fun like i really like the cast members that i know i really like which yeah. is so fun and i love that for you because i don't know i'm like basing this on like instagram pictures it really seems sure. like folks like got along you know and that there was like a camaraderie in the cast which is like not, not always true you know I have my buddy Liv Houston is on Yellow Jackets and like I think they have that experience, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Some of it is because they're like all the same age and they're like young people. Um, and there's like two casts. There's like the older cast and the young cast, and like the <laughs> young people are like boys with each other. Um sure. but yeah, that seemed like it was true. I mean, obviously you're 100%. It's, you're probably not gonna like be on the record on the podcast and be like, we actually hated each other IRL. But. What if this is the moment that like I actually reveal. I'm like, well, yeah, dude. it's been a year. Give it's that, time to let me that scoop, man. Come on. <gasps> oh my God. I wish, I wish I had dirt. No, you, what you see and, and, and feel is, is true. It was, you know, I think part of that I attribute to having a 
Abby at the helm. Like right. she one, she's such an amazing leader and she's just such an amazing person. And it's, it, it, she's so lovable. It's like, she's the best person to receive any like information from or direction Aww. or like greatest boss. And she put together a really fantastic group of people. And, and I think she, she had to have known that. I'm sure it was by design, but yeah, we all bonded very, very quickly. Part of it was because, you know, usually with a pilot, like the one I'm doing now, for example, we, you know, we showed up, we didn't really have any formal meet and greets. We did a Zoom reading, like, and then we're going to be acting together. It was like, it's so fast. With League, we were doing baseball training, like two days a week baseball camp before we started the pilot. So by the time we started filming, actually like doing the work, we had all developed like a crazy rapport with each other and we're already friendly and friends and felt like this little family of like actors trying to learn how to learn or relearn how to play baseball. And it really brought us all together in a way that I think came across in the in the pilot and, and subsequently in the series. But yeah, just the greatest group, really good friends, enjoyed our time together. We were in Pittsburgh, so we did a lot of of, you know, social hanging out, spending time together. Um, yeah, like truly, truly really formed amazing friendships. Um, Pittsburgh is legitimately cool. Okay, I'll say it. <laughs> Pittsburgh's cool. It's I cool. Know. I actually didn't know that. And then I like, I, I went there for shows and I, I like, I can't remember where I drove there from somewhere. And I was, I was uh, anticipating like, Look, I'm sure there's people from Pittsburgh that are listening, but I was really anticipating like a pretty like an armpit situation, you know, like sure, a, sure, sure, like a like a like a rough, mm-hmm. whatever. And then like I rounded the corner, and it's inc- I mean, as I was probably 20 minutes away or whatever, it's like incredibly green, like yep. gorgeous hills, uh, Art Deco buildings, mm-hmm. architecture is really cool. It's very industrial, but like has that just gives it like a cool edge and like yeah. it definitely feels historically preserved, which is why I think it was great to film, you right. know, a, a history show there. But um no, I actually loved Pittsburgh. And being from Philadelphia, you know, a lot of people think that Philadelphia and Pittsburgh are the same or that they're close to each other, which they're not. Um, but I love that when people are like, oh well, you know, you filmed in Pittsburgh. Isn't that where you're from? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> six six hours were, away. I didn't know you were from Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm from well, from the suburbs of Philly, but um but yeah, so I wasn't sure really what's what was. suburb? Um it's called Hatboro. Okay. One of my college Why? roommates was from Haddonfield. I don't know where the fuck that is compared to that. I know of it, but I don't know where it is. Isn't it it's Jersey? Um, oh, well, that's not, that's not Philly. <laughs> no, but it's like Philly's the closest city mm. kind of a vibe. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I apologize. Um, that's like saying you're from Philly, but you live in Cherry Hill. You know what I mean? Well, I think Cherry I, Hill I is do love our, next door. I know. I do, and you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's funny. People who live in Cherry Hill live closer to Philly than I did growing up, but I still feel like I get to say I'm from, yeah, <laughs> I'm from honestly, Philly because I'm congrats. not from Jersey. I'm the one who gets to decide this and you do get to say that. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. 
The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! What was it like growing up in Philly? Or wherever you grew up? In the <laughs> suburbs, yeah. Well, I mean, it was. T- I grew up in a pretty small town. Um, it was a small town surrounded by other towns, so it's not like it was remote or anything. It just, it was definitely small town vibes. Um, called Hatboro, mm-hmm. which is a very old town. Now I get into the Hatboro history. No, <laughs> yeah, come on, run through it. You yeah. know, it was it was um, they made hats during the uh, Revolutionary War. Are you kidding? Yes, and that's why the town ended up being called Hatboro. No, are you serious? Is that real? I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Oh my god, that is. You know what? I fucking love shit like that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever watched like Strongest Man competitions. Look, it doesn't matter. Yeah. For a while, they were like on various like ESPN 12s. You know, you're like, sure. You're like deep in the ESPNs and the world's strongest man. And a lot of them are from like Nordic countries. So they have that thing where their names are like Cameron's daughter, but like that's their last name, but it's like spelled (laughs) wild, but it like means like a child of this person. And sure. That, anyway, I could die when I get when I hear that. It's it's so thrilling. I used to think that it was like a joke or a lie, but like turns out it's actually real. Like it really was where they made hats in the revolution. <laughs> Come on, you talking about tricorders? I guess. Yeah, the OGs and the street. This one street that's right by where I live is called Crooked Crooked Billet, and there's a a sign that says like "Here fought the Battle of Crooked Billet." No. Yeah, it's crazy. You're kidding. Um, and I swear to God, like, I didn't really think any of that was cool until I, like, moved away. Now I'm like, oh, that's neat. Um, it's a tiny little place, but we love it. Um, I will say, just a shout out Habro real quick. I went, I I was, go- I hadn't been home for a while because pandemic, et cetera. And when I finally did go back home, I noticed that at the entry to Habro, there's like a main street. And there's a big sign that says, welcome to the borough of Habro. And there's you know, an American flag and some sort of military flag. And there's a gay pride flag in in the entrance of Hatboro. Excuse. Yeah. Fully inclusive. Has all of it. And I was like, one, that's so exciting just in general, but also like, damn, like they didn't have that when I was growing up. Like, that's really cool that now that's like a flag that they're flying at the entrance to this town. Like any any person who's who happens to be making their way through Hatboro <laughs> will now see a gay flag. I thought that was very cool. I mean, I love that. And the only thing I can compare it to in my life is that my folks, you know, I'm from the suburbs too. I'm from a, I'm from a suburb in Chicago where there's like a butcher, a baker, a fruit store. Mm-hmm. It's called the fruit store. Mm-hmm. I used to get glass bottles of milk delivered to my house growing up. This is sure a ridiculous way to live. And my parents, when I, I was, I was there for new year's this year and my little sister lives in Argentina. And I can't remember what we were saying. We we're like talking about like, Oh, my mom got out a mug. <laughs> <laughs> my mom got out a mug that had a pride flag on it. 
uh, to have coffee with. And I was like, mom. And then she was like, you ain't seen nothing yet. And she got a, then she opened her little cabinet and she got out a mug that said like, habla espanol or whatever. And then my dad went and got uh, an Argentine flag and their pride flag, which I, and then wrapped them around their shoulders. Look, no, you can have parents, you know, but it's, it's great to have parents. You know what I mean? That is so touching. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, just too much, right? Oh, my uh, God. Just God, What's the name of the town? Western where Springs. Where these parents are? Western Springs, naturally. You yes, know what I mean? Yes. Clearly. Right? The milkman. <laughs> How are we supposed it's to wholesome. It's wholesome. <sighs> it's really wholesome. Yeah. It- um, not is. to stay on Hapro, but a funny one yeah, thing about Hapro is that <laughs> my friend Molly, who was also in the show uh, League of Their Own, she played Maybell. She grew up, funnily enough, in a town called Doylestown, which is just north of where I grew up. We didn't know each other. We went to different schools, whatever. But when we finally met, um, we made this connection. And I was like, oh, my God, you're from Doylestown. I'm from Hapro. And Doylestown is a is a traditionally more wealthy area, kind of nice, has a really, really nice downtown, like almost even a tourist destination potentially for people coming, wanting to get out of New York, near New Hope, whatever. Hapro is not that. I'll just say that. And she's like, and she very sweetly was like, oh yeah. She's like, she's like, we used to, I was, she's like, we used to drive down um, 611. That's the the road that goes from Doylestown to, to, to wherever. And she's like, and we every time we passed through Hapro, it kind of became this family joke. We just, we felt like every time we passed through, we always saw a guy with a limp. <laughs> and I was like, that is oh. just so perfect. <laughs> wow. I mean, just hat bro, where the gay pride flag flies <laughs> and the, the men with limps walked around to the bakery <laughs> and the verdict said that it was just very funny. It made me laugh. Also, I mean, here's a, Here's the thing that I happen to know, um, what? because I met her, uh, is that Maybell Blair was the real person that played in the league, the actual yes. American baseball league. What the fuck was All it American Girls Thank Professional you. Baseball That's, League. I mean, how could I know the fucking song? So how did I, how did I screw that Come up? on. We are, remember, I mean, I can't be 41 and not know the song. You know, that was, you gotta Im- know it. that's important, right? Um, she came out during like, yes. the press. For the show, which I was so happy yes. for her. About. So you did meet her. I did said. meet her and actually her partner um, a while ago. She is like not only the most amazing woman I've ever met, but she was the biggest like hype girl for the show. Like I'm, just, I'm sure you saw she was involved in so much press. Yes. Um, and willingly like was really just loved the show so much was so happy about what it was doing i think she felt so seen and validated by the stories that were being told in there and yeah at like one of the screenings she just like came out publicly on a panel and it was oh in her 90s like yeah exactly for anybody that's listening just some context here yeah this is like a she was a pitcher and she still walks with a cane that has like that's like a baseball bat. It's a baseball bat. <laughs> she has a, it's baseball, a baseball bat, bat but a cane. cane. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like real tough and has like a giant bouffant and massive hairdo that has yeah. like so much height. And she wears these incredibly 
these sunglasses at all times that have these thick red frames. They're like full coverage sunglasses. It's truly she's like sports glasses. Yes. Yes. Just look her up. You'll yeah. see her. <laughs> and and she's like she's fully 90 and definitely more than that. Yeah. Like 90 she's in her something. 90s. And like really still getting around and uh yeah, when I met her, she was talking about how she goes out and like plays catch on the beach near her house. Mm-hmm. Um and she's not a young person and that was incredible it's impressive it's really impressive she's got tons of energy and like she's funny she's always making jokes she i think that that was a highlight of the whole experience was just how involved she was and how much time we got to spend with her yeah that's awesome (laughs) legend for real yeah and um i mean i guess the thing i will ask next because I interviewed Abby for a long time ago, a, a long time ago for the podcast, but they, you, you were just starting because there were multiple uh, writers rooms to get the yes. script together to then get it produced. Like it was a long pre-production process. Um, yes. And so I talked to her, I think just as you were about to start shooting. Um, and so it's very cool to get to talk to you now yeah. at such a different time. But I guess I'm curious about like what the, did the movie mean something to you growing up? Yeah, I mean I I remember watching the movie. It definitely wasn't um I wouldn't say it was like a formative movie. Like it, I I loved it for sure and I remember watching it a lot like over and over again. It was more like when it was on TV. Um you know how like they used to play movies on TV and you just like catch it. Anytime <laughs> I do it was on I would you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know, you'd be like you know, you either go to Blockbuster and you rent it or you <laughs> you catch it on the TV. And it played a lot. Like, it was playing a lot at that time. So I definitely watched it every time it was on. And, like, I kind of idolized Rosie O'Donnell when I was growing up. So anything that I could see her in. And this was when she, um, later she had that TV show, the the talk show. And I was obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, like, loved her and... um and loved the movie. And I did sports growing up. So it was very cool to see women playing sports. You know, that, that was not something that was readily accessible. There were lots of, of boy sport movies at the time. And this was kind of the only one that wasn't that, um, I loved it. I loved it in like that cult way where you're just like great movie, like want to watch it every time it's on, wish I could like jump inside the TV screen and like hang out with them and be with them. And, um, yeah, it was it was definitely like a part of my of my growing up for sure. I'm going to ask you a question you don't have to answer because uh, it's like a, it's a, a touchy question in our okay. field. But how old are you? You don't have to answer that. How dare you? No, I'm kidding. I'm 33. <laughs> that makes a difference. That when you were describing it, I was like, oh, she's in her 30s. She's like in her oh, early 30s. My God, that's no, why I just no. But here's the sad thing. I'm 34. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? We don't know. We don't know. Does Do you get to a point where you forget? Because yeah. honestly, I just said I'm 33 with the most confidence <laughs> I've ever said anything. And then it was like two beats. And I went, what year is it? No, I'm not. I'm 34. Yeah. My wow. wife is 35. And the six years between us, and this has been like very revealing to me because we have completely different cultural reference points. And it's not that like she doesn't know some of the stuff that was important to me, but like <laughs> it's just different. Like, because it yeah, matters it. when you were 10. You know what I mean? Like 100%. what era you were 10. And when I was 10, 
you were negative 100. And so we, that matters, you know, the, it the, matters. the difference in age there for that movie specifically, especially because like, I totally agree with you about Rosie O'Donnell, but like Madonna was like at the top of her game. Gina mm-hmm. Davis was amazing in that movie. Like even Lori Petty was so good. None of them really meant anything to me. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I, I know. Jordan, I turn say- the... That was too loud. You know what I mean? So just turn that down. But that was... I oh, was God. I'm so sweaty. I'm so sweaty. Because, <laughs> I mean, when I met... Like, I got to do a couple panels with Gina a couple years ago. And, I mean, it was like... I had nothing to say to her. You know what I mean? Like, I just was like, good, na- good night. Happy to... Top of the morning, morning to you. They mean a great deal to me now, but at the time I was just like, "Oh, Rosie, Rosie's on me." And also, Lori Petty. I was a big fan of the movie um, Tank Girl, Free Willy. Oh, free! Oh, <laughs> she's in that. She is. Um. So there was that connection. Um. And of course, I like I I thought that Madonna and Gina Davis were amazing and beautiful, but I was just very like a rosy diehard. So free Willy, my... the, the theme song to free Willy, it are the lyrics to that. Hold me like the river Jordan. And then you will then say that, that you are my friend. I think those might be the lyrics or, you know, how in they need to be looked up. You know how in childhood you just sing what you hear, whatever. <laughs> I would be hold on, hold me <laughs> like, like the river Jordan. Like I think that's what he says. Dun, dun, but why dun, is that dun, theme song to Free Willy? Okay, because I think it's not, being searched. Why, where is the River Jordan? That's not near wherever Free Willy is. Jordan, Free, where's uh, Free Willy? Okay, hang on. Hold me like the uh, River Jordan, and I will then say to thee, "You are my friend." I fucking nailed it. What is the River Jordan doing? I wish that that. People saw my visual right now. Was that my hand? <laughs> my hand is clasped over my mouth. That was screen shared. That was screen shared by none other than Jordan. Jordan. Okay, so he it is hold me like the river Jordan. Something, something. I will be there. It it actually makes no sense, but it is very inspirational. Yeah, I mean, it, in, a beautiful in song. energy. You know, it's a beautiful song. <laughs> Does water oh, hold you? I, I mean, guess, it is. You're I buoyant. Guess, yeah. It, isn't the Jordan River, isn't that, aren't there biblical references there? I don't know. Is it salty? Do you like get, do you, no, I rivers like aren't salty. Jordan River. I don't know River, what I'm talking about. I, it's a salty river from the Bible. I know about something... Jordan almonds. You know what I mean? You say like a candied <laughs> almond. You eat one of those, you feel like you're being held. Yes. By your grandmother. Hold me. <laughs> like a Jordan almond. Almond. It. <laughs> Warm. <laughs> You said you played sports growing up. What did you play? Yeah, I played some sports. I mean, look, I don't want to pose myself as some sort of athlete because I was not. Um, it wasn't my strong suit, but I, I did it because it was the cool thing to do. And, you know, it was, um, it was, yeah, it was the cool thing to do. So I, I did, um, I played some softball. Uh-huh. I played some basketball, some volleyball, and I was on the track team. Um, and I, I basically just only did field sports. So I threw the shot put on the track team. Oh, there we go. And um, what do you mean by there we go? Because That's every the time coolest I t- one. 
That's the, oh. that's the coolest thing. The last time I did a podcast, I said I threw the shot put and the podcast host Joanna went, oh, well, so you're definitely gay. <laughs> and I went, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is a bit of a br- brute strength, you know, I involved mean, in that. I was ready to come out there and throw. You could toss some I mean, people it, around. I needed to toss some people around. And honestly, you weren't going to get me to be running a mile, okay? I was like, <laughs> it was my, I have like absolute triggered horrible memories of being like going to the track practice and they're like, okay, we're going to start, start with a warm up of a mile. And like my little brain just being like, like melting inside my head and being like, oh my God. And, and being last and like seeing everyone finish and just being at the end. I mean, truly <laughs> full trauma. Um, never put me on a track and tell me, to, <laughs> tell me to run anything. That's, that's actually part of this show. Oh, later. Yeah. I forgot about that. I do, forgot about the track do, portion. We do a four mm. by 100 relay that you have to anchor. And that's mm. just part of it. It is the most pressured position to anchor. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Damn. Damn. Uh, well, okay. So here, I'm going to, I'm going to make all the, I'm going to make all these questions make sense. Cause I'm thinking about Rosie. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. one thing that I remember is that she was highly pressured to do things to her bod that mm. were really rough. Like I remember when she was in the Flintstones, or what is that movie where she's like wearing a like leather like bustier on the cover? I wish I could remember what that fucking movie's called. I'm sure Jordan will help us out. Um, Jordan. <laughs> but uh she it wasn't, you know, it was that era where like she was she was too big. Like that was oh a my part God. of what people talked about. And then I think that went away a little bit when she had her own talk show because sure. for some reason that was less difficult for people than her being in movies. You know, like the idea that she wasn't trying to be something, uh, yes. especially something attractive. She was just like obsessed with Tom Cruise. We can revisit that later. But um, yes. Yeah. I'm wondering about like, so having seen the show and again, this is something where if this is like territory you don't want to talk about, you can just be like, no, it's good. fuck off. So having seen the show, like you have a different body type than some of the people mm-hmm. on the show. And yeah. that's, there we go. Oh my God. Exit to Eden. Look oh. at what Rosie had to do to if herself. If you guys are listening, well, if you're hearing this, you're listening. Google exit to Eden, Rosie O'Donnell. And you are going to see, first of all, total Fox. Can we talk about the hair? Yeah, she's so hot. She looks great. But that is insane yes it's insane i mean she's first of all in like drag and second of all uh that bod that she has there is so (laughs) jordan she googled rosie and leather that bod that she has there i think she was i mean it was this was the era of like oprah constantly talking about how much she was losing the 90s was literally like the birth like any books that you read on sort of diet culture and when it got really bad it's the 90s it's slim fast it's the jenny Craig. it's it's all of and it. it's bread. Chic, i like bread yeah and heroin, heroin chic, chic was like yeah. what was expected that was new like that was that was new it was when it all really 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 got out of hand yeah um, and so yeah rosie's like thriving during this time as a person in a larger body i we never, I, I did get to meet her during the show, but we didn't get to get into it, into it. But maybe this is an opportunity for me to 
reach out and pick her brain. So I would love to know what it was like for her. Um, yeah, I mean, look, she growing up, I did not see pretty much anyone who looked like me um, on television. Definitely not in my age bracket, but but also just in general, um, which, you know, I've t- taken years and years and years to sort of dissect and and um, understand how that affected me growing up, how lack, the lack of representation in the media is so damaging uh, for people. Um, but Rosie was that for me. Like she was one of those people that I saw and I was just like, well, people seem to think she's worth looking at and she's got something to offer. And I don't know that I was like noticing her weight fluctuations, but I just remember being like, she's a bigger person. We kind of look alike. She's that, she's that thing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so as a result, I don't think I really ever imagined myself being on television. I mean, it was a goal that came later in my life. Anyway, I was very much theater and musical theater focused, um, for most of my life, but I didn't really have any reason to think that I would end up on TV because I just didn't see anybody who looked like me and it was just not in my, on my radar. So when I did start working in television and I, and you know, a show like League of Their Own comes up. Yeah. It's first, first and foremost, I was grateful that they were open to having diverse bodies on there, um, on the show, because I think it's important. And second, it was really important to me that 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 it, that it not be written anywhere or or even like hinted at anywhere in the script that Joe had any complexes about her body because one she doesn't two she's a fierce athlete she's really really good at what she does she's strong and she's powerful and talented and I just wanted that to be at the forefront and they were in complete agreement with me on that um, so it was important to me that she be a figure of positive fat representation as opposed to, you know, what we'd seen, have seen so much in our industry, which is not that. Yeah. She's Um, sexy. Like she's supposed to be sexy and desirable, which I love. mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. She's wearing a short skirt, which like, obviously the fact that they had to wear skirts is bananas, but like love that she's wearing a short skirt and like showing off her bod. Also baseball is legitimately one of those sports where there are diverse body types. Like that's not true yeah. in basketball because folks are like, it's Seven just the body tall. type is so, 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 so tall and skinny. Um, yeah. Because the whole point of that is like running the fuck up and down the thing. But in baseball, because, because brute strength can be part of it, mm-hmm. you know, there are folks who like, don't look like basketball players, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so it makes sense that that would exist in a baseball context. Like it also is helpful to that. hundred percent. You know, I think, I think as far as like, you know, there, there was an element of there, there's a moment in one of the episodes where she gets like haggled by the, or heckler heckled by the guy in the crowd. And he says something about her losing weight. And I was okay with that because I'm like, you know, it is, it is okay if it, but I really, really want to be careful about how she reacts to it because I don't want it to read that Joe is like wounded by this or that she's like, you know, I think she's pissed. She doesn't want anyone saying shit about her, but it may be historically accurate that at that time they would pick that thing to make fun of her yeah. for. And that that's okay. It's just more to me about how she interacts with her body and she interacts with people who are interacting with her body. Um, and I really felt strongly about that. And luckily I had a ton of support on that. And it was, it was relatively easy to do because she was written, she was written that way. And, um, and that always felt really authentic. 
to play her that way in, in my body. Um, it was, yeah, it was like a real honor, honestly, to be able to do that. Man, that's so rad. I love that. We gotta change, we gotta change the world, you know? <laughs> yeah, baby. I mean, that's for real. Yeah. Little ways. Yeah. It's a very big deal. Um, you know, I mean, I certainly don't mean to speak out of turn if this is something that like you're interested in, but certainly we've seen a lot of examples of folks who like get to a place in their career and then change their bodies. Like I think mm-hmm. that, you know, like I'm thinking of Rebel Wilson or like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I can't remember that guy's name who used to start in Mike and Molly. And he recently had like gastric bypass. Now he's on the mm-hmm. show, like Bob Hurts Abishola. And he looks drastically different than he used to look. And he's been on TV for like, I don't even know, yeah. decades or something. To, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, how yeah. long that show ran, but like to sort of be established as a certain body type and then change that is, mm-hmm. you know, certainly a message. Um, I think so. I think so for sure. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a tricky subject because I believe in body, body autonomy, I believe that people get to do with their bodies whatever they want to do with their bodies. And if that means that you are a certain weight and you would like to do what you need to do to lose that weight, whether it's, you know, extraordinary means or not, like, that's up to you. It's not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you not what to do with your body. But I do think that we, as a society, and I think also people who are in the public eye, it's important for people who are who are seeing that to understand that that's a choice, but it's not the only choice. And to also understand, like, I think there's a little bit of a, um, I think it's dangerous to this sort of, it's a bit of a Hollywood shrinking phenomenon um, is kind of how I've been seeing it. Like it's dangerous for, to allow everyday people to think that, that's easy to do. In a lot of cases, it requires a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of resources, um, extraordinary means. And I think to, to sort of send any message that's like, I did it, so you, therefore you can too, um, can be dangerous. I mean, and it can, and it can contribute to people, people's already, you know, triggered responses to weight, to weight loss. You know, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of, um, you know, it's people have, it is very, very common for someone in a bigger body to feel like what's wrong with me that I can't just lose the weight. Like what, you know, that kind of messaging. So I think it's not so much like people who are losing weight shouldn't, I do think you should do whatever you want, but I do think it's important to acknowledge the messaging that it sends and like to be, to be ahead of that is important. That is just so well said. I love everything that you said. And like, thank you for sharing that. I mean, the thing that really stands out to me, I'm thinking about like, cause that's true. This is like the first time I've ever seen anybody talk about this um, (laughs) was honestly Channing Tatum. Um, I don't know. He like recently did a, an interview for like the new magic mic. And somebody was asking him, I think it was Kelly Clarkson. He was like on that show. And she was like asking him about, and by the way, Kelly Clarkson is someone who was pressured to change her body. Um, And she was asking him and he said like, very honestly, just so you know, like people shouldn't look like that. It's not just that Mm. it was hard. 
It's actually that it was unhealthy. Like unhealthy. What I had to do to look like that for my body was um, like starving myself. And I mean, I've even been, I've actually been in a movie where somebody, a dude who had like a pretty ripped body was talking about a shirtless scene that he had to do. And I mean, I didn't know that if that's what's, if that's what you're being, if that's what somebody's buying, uh-huh. I didn't know that he was fasting on water um, because it like sucks your skin towards your muscles. And I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, cause I, nobody's, yeah. uh, I haven't been, I haven't been yet hired for the job where people are interested in my abs. But I really appreciate what you're saying, you know, the money involved, the time involved, and the, like, unhealthy sacrifices for anybody that's, like, displaying, um, right, uh, aspirational. Well, we also live in a, in a society that I think applauds weight loss by any means. There's no, there's no real, you know, if, if you lose weight, you therefore are applauded especially mm-hmm. if you're in a certain weight bracket to start mm-hmm. with no knowledge of how you did it, whether it was healthy for you, whether you were suffering from an eating disorder, whether you were very ill, like it's just like weight loss equals good. So therefore you're applauded. And I just don't, I think that that is a very dangerous, dangerous um, message for people to continue to receive over and over again, just as someone who is re- a, a recovering from an eating disorder for my whole, basically my whole adult life, like, it is dangerous. I mean, the the statistics, mm-hmm. <laughs> eating disorder statistics are are staggering. And that's just the ones we know about. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like disordered eating is is staggering. And and I, I think, look, again, not everybody who is in the public eye may feel a call or a responsibility to be an advocate. I am somebody who feels that way. I always have. Um I feel I do feel like I have a responsibility and I I have a responsibility to share my experiences, to advocate for others who are like me. That's not the case for everybody. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, in some re- in some ways I've seen recently, like with celebrity weight loss, you know, even the the fat community feeling very sad or betrayed or up in arms. And it's like, well, we wouldn't be so sad every time we like lose another fat hero if there were more fat heroes <laughs> like yeah. the reason why that's right and and i i can't i'm i'm human i can't deny that like i was i felt a certain type of way when i saw that adele had lost weight when i saw that rebel had lost weight it wasn't that i i wanted to tell them that they couldn't it was just i thought that that was someone we had you know we had that one who was talented and successful and powerful and, and beautiful and in their body and all that. And now we don't have that. Like they're, we lost them. It is, it does feel like a loss. It really does to the community. Um, but it is tricky. It's really tricky because I am not going to tell anybody what to do with their body. That's, that's just the facts. And, and I don't know their stories or their, or anything going on with them. So I think it's just important that we continue to for me, it's representation really does matter. And it's important that we continue to lift up people, um, you know, in diverse body types so that 
the population, which is primarily people who fall into this category, feel seen and heard and celebrated and not alone. That to me is the work, not so much policing whether a fat celebrity wants to lose weight or gain weight or yeah. or or weight in general should never be a headline as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it yeah. just never needs to be a headline. Um, so that's kind of, you know, it's really important to me. I've hung a lot of my ambitions and my own work on that, on that sort of advocacy um, goal. So, you know, well, thanks again for sharing all that. Cause I do think it's super important to talk about it. If folks are open to it, you know, like, and, yeah. and as you're saying, it's not like we have to, not everybody has to, fly the flag like that's yeah you know there shouldn't be pressure on that either but i wanted to like give space if that was something you wanted to talk about and yeah. um i'll say you know something else that just to point out you know how specific this conversation is when folks in hollywood or in the public eye like get shit done to their faces for instance mm. we don't have them sit on a couch and and applaud the stuff they've done to their face and, and talk about it, you know? And I, and obviously like also there can be a zillion reasons why somebody makes this choice, as you're saying, you know, like right. to, to change their size, like for, for whatever reason, like and yeah. that's not usually true in the same way for something like cosmetic surgery, but just for folks that are doing it because they feel pressured, that's the same yeah. reason folks are doing this other thing and that is really shamed, you know? So we really do put like weight in a special category in terms of. Yeah. Part of it it is because weight and health have become these two kind of interchangeable terms. Yeah. And, and it's not, they're just simply, it's simply just actually scientifically not true that you can know somebody's health level based on their weight. Um, and that is a, a myth that I, I think we are starting to bust. And like even medical professionals who, in my experience, have consistently not been good for the, this cause <laughs> are starting to come around and say, OK, these are these things are 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 not have become conflated. Um, yeah. And so I think the re- we're a health obsessed culture. We're also a health policing culture. Right. We think that we can tell people, particularly fat people are health policed more than any other group because it's yeah. like you, I have a right to tell you because it's unhealthy and that somehow gives me a right to make a comment. So I think until those two words really can exist separately and we can acknowledge that you just can't determine someone's health based on their weight. And on top of that, whether or not I am healthy by your standards or medical standards or whatever standards does not therefore give you a right to have bias against me, discriminate against me, prejudice, treat me like shit, tell me what to do, call me names. Like my health does not determine whether or not I'm worthy of self-respect. Beautiful. And respect from you. So I think those are some things that we still are definitely working on. And and I, I think it's about like getting the information out there, people who have a voice, like using it. Um, but I think that's why you're seeing like it, it's it's applauded because people think that it's means you're healthy. Yeah, that's that's right. And I want to ask you about something that you just said, which is that yeah. you've received um, some negative attention from medical professionals. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I think that's something that. Maybe we don't talk about as much as we should. I mean, it's that's also true for. Say, for instance, for Black women, where there's like, mm-hmm. there are statistics about like who gets to have P 
pain medication while giving birth. And it's like, white women are trusted more than black women. And that is fucking wild. And it's because we have been taught that like black folks in this country are trying to get away with something and trying to get away with drugs and trying to get away. And it's like in that context to police someone in that way is so fucked. So anyway, you know, I I think, I just think this is like, it's certainly, it's certainly something we like compared to 20 years ago, I see people sort of talking about it, but you know, I'm wondering if you could share a little bit more as much as you want to yeah, yeah. about your experience. I think, you know, the medical, prof- I think we, at least I'll speak for myself, like, you know, there is like that white coat syndrome I think a lot of people have. Like, this is someone who is very well educated, knows way more than I know. And like, I used to get nervous going to the doctor, period. I mean, when you're a kid, you go and you're sick. Like, that's, it's a scary place. You don't want to go there. Like, right. there's that element of it. but. Um, you know, there is, there is bias unconscious and otherwise in all individuals, even doctors. So, um, my experiences have been, I, I have had to more in recent years, I would say just really lay out boundaries with my doctors. Um, part of that has to do with being very clear from day one, what my sort of health concerns or goals are. Um, typically those are independent of anything related to weight. and then be very clear about advocating for myself in the moment. Like, you know, if, if weight is necessary, if, if you, if you want to weigh me at my appointment, that's up to me or up to me, whether or not I want to know the number. Um, I had an, an interesting experience recently where I went to the doctor and, um, and did height and weight, which I usually won't do, but I did it. And everything the doctor does is through this app. Cause it's like a court of, kind of new age thing. Anyway, I got these email, the, these in, these sort of auto-generated messages that's like your healthcare plan. And it was like um, some of the things she and I had talked about. And then there was one that I got that was just like an automated BMI mm. um, message right. that basically was like your weight and health ratio or height and height ratio puts you in a BMI, BMI of blank. And it was clearly just a generated response. Like, and it was telling me that I should consider um, losing weight, that if I couldn't, I should consider going on this prescription drug. If I couldn't do it, then I should consider bariatric surgery. It was clearly just like an automated message that when a BMI is triggered, it gets sent out. And I lost my shit. I wrote my doctor the longest letter in that app. And I was like, this is at at best, like an overlook situation. At worst, this is irresponsible. This is irresponsible doctoring because this is what this message said to me. Do you realize like, you're my doctor. Do you think I should consider bariatric surgery? Honestly, because this is just getting pushed out to anybody who falls in this BMI, which is a completely outdated, by the way, like measure of health. And like, it, it was basically every, every one of my like, worst nightmares when it comes to like doctors and how they relate to weight came out this thing. Anyway, we ended up having a great back and forth about it and, and, um, and, and a good dialogue about it, but it was something that I just couldn't believe, you know, was being just blasted out based on, you know, your BMI. And it's things like that where, you know, I've done a ton of work therapy and otherwise to get to a place where I can even talk about these things 
and advocate for myself without breaking down. So many people don't aren't at that place and they're mm-hmm. getting those automated messages too. Mm-hmm. And they're getting those automated messages. And instead of saying, hey, I've done the research and this is fucked up, they're saying, okay, well, I guess I should consider bariatric surgery. And it's like, it's those people that I care about that I, that I want to, you know, to, to help or reach with any messages that I have because I've learned to advocate for myself and that's taken years and years and years and I'm still working on it. Um, and there are people who don't have that strength right now or don't have that support. Um, so that's unfortunate. And there's still, unfortunately, a very long way to go, um, even in even in the medical field. And also access, right? And I know we're not, but like, oh my you God. know, it's not just like strength and support. It's like access, you know? And, access. Yeah. And that's a huge thing. And, you know, I guess what I'll say is that Um, and again, like so appreciated how much you're sharing on this, you know, a way that I can relate is in, um, doctors responding to my gender, you know, and like, that is really tough. Um, you know, it took me till I was 27 to go to the gynecologist and it took me till I was 39 to go to the gynecologist for the second time. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, (laughs) that's, you know, that's, that's really something. And, um, Mm -hmm. I also have a primary care doctor that like, honestly, is pretty good. And yeah, it was rough. A couple, I have recurring back pain, like chronic back pain and um, shoulder pain. And it's, it's like stress induced and like, um, I have a bit of like a hunch, even like my spine is like a little mm-hmm. um, curved mm-hmm. and you know, I do so much work on this to like reduce my pain, but it's rough. And I was talking to my doctor about this and looking for a referral for a possible like breast reduction because, um, I can't figure out what else to do, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not making that choice right now, but I was just asking for a referral. And my doctor looked at me and was like, I don't know, your breasts aren't even that big. And that is the thing a doctor said to me. <laughs> I know my God, <laughs> which is like, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. This is like a straight cis dude also, by the way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who honestly like has good connections to other people I like. So I didn't immediately switch. Like I, I stuck in there, you know, he sees my wife too. It's, it's complicated. It's complicated. You know, it's my complicated. Wife a complicated health situation. And this is a hub for her. And like, it's helpful for this guy to know both of us, whatever. But like, that is so fucked. <laughs> it's fucked. It's fucked. And to, and, to be for it to be like your responsibility in that moment to like have the emotional and mental wherewithal to advocate for yourself is like mm-hmm. really hard. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, 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 you shouldn't be put in that position, period. You know, and like that's wild. That's totally wild. I'm so sorry. I'm <laughs> no, like, I mean, we're laughing because it's oh unbelievable. God, it's but like, too much. But like, it's hard. I mean, look, I it's think, hard. I think, I think that it is about learning how to advocate for yourself even in scenarios or with people who you you perceive have authority over you and i think doctors are definitely that um and in some ways that's good right like they 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 have studied they do know more than i do about certain things um but just not being afraid to advocate into for yourself in that moment is is the is the challenge it's very difficult that's right. It's difficult across so many different fields and boards and in our industry and in, I'm sure many people's work life as well. It's just, it's, 
It's like I, I recently noticed that every time I do a new show, I'll get a um, an intake form from the costume department. Oh God! And it'll me. and it'll and it'll say, <laughs> you know, your sizes, whatever, fine. And <sighs> the first questions are always height and weight. Uh-huh. And I and I always write my height because I think that that is applicable. And then in weight, I write not applicable because it simply Fuck, is not applicable yeah. here. How is how much I weigh applicable to what size clothes I wear? Like, and I can't believe that it's 2023 and like we haven't put it together that costume designers don't need to know how much you weigh. Oh my God. I, number one, I forgot it's 2023. So we'll just start there. <laughs> um, when you said that, I said, that's no what are, Isn't no, that crazy? what are you talking about in my mind? That's what I said. But yeah, um, 2023. Yeah. I, you know, again, I really relate to that because I had somebody, I was in a fitting and I even said, like, I say to people, this is uncomfortable for me. I say mm-hmm. that when I walk in, I say like gender, I have gender stuff going on. Like, I know what to ask for in terms of clothes. Um, but I say this, like, this is uncomfortable for me. I wear men's clothes. You're gonna have to tailor them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine with me. I might, you could bring some like women's options, but like, mm-hmm. we'll see, you know, and you're going to have to like have a crew to work on this. Cause it's not going to be something that like, it probably isn't going to be something that fits me off the rack in terms of how I want to wear it. And Great. Like, that's actually your job. So cheers, you know, yeah. and I give people a heads up. Sometimes I call them ahead of time. Sometimes I say it when I walk in the room, whatever. But there was somebody, there was somebody who was doing a fitting in the, and they had a seamstress walk in who I hadn't said this to. And they also didn't say this to her. And she was like moving my clothes around and she told me to stop wiggling in a pretty fucking mean way. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I think I get to wiggle, first of all. And second of all, like, it's not, and I feel the same way about the doctor. It's like, Part of the reason I can get a little like deflated in that situation and lose the ability to advocate for myself myself mm-hmm. is because I'm already down walking in. If you're my 100%. friend, you say something fucked. My dad, no offense to my dad, and you say something fucked. That's an easier situation for me. Yeah, but you know, when we're already down for the count, it's like, damn, dude, I'm already fucking on the floor right now. I'm like already feeling yeah. stressed, you know? Well, I think it's amazing that you you lead with that up front, especially with the costume people. I do, I do a similar thing where I just kind of let everybody know like, hey, I don't know if you have experience working with larger bodied actresses but um, or actors, but there can be an assumption that I have complexes about my body that I am here to tell you I do not have. You don't need mm. to take care of me. You don't need to make any comments mm. that are about my body, like, because my experience is more that they're uncomfortable and perceive that I have issues with my body and therefore overcompensate by saying things like, oh, don't worry, every, all, even the skinny girls wear Spanx or, oh, you know, like little, little comments like that where I'm like, but I don't have a problem here. Like, and you assuming I have a problem is a problem. (laughs) So just kind of like, in some ways, it's like giving them the freedom to be like, you don't have to take care of me. We're good. I'm good. Like, and I will advocate for myself when needed. Because um, I don't think that, I really don't think that there are ill intentions anywhere. I uh-huh. think that it is learned behavior, learned social norms that people are inhabiting. And it's just, it sucks that while you're already feeling down for the count, you have to then like muster your strength and advocate. But I do think it will change the game over time. 
if you continue to do that? Well, obviously I'm obsessed with you because I was super <laughs> late for the podcast and I was like, we're just going to go for 45 minutes and it's fully oh, no. 59 minutes and 45 seconds in. <laughs> we gotta go. Which is like, no, I mean, that's that I'm obviously, you know, could talk to you for a real long time and I hope yeah, I we get like a chance to do that. I would love um, that. Yeah. Cause I really, I really like you. You're very cool. I really um, like you too. Ah! Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, before I send you back into your day, I just want to ask you to shout out a queero, which is something we always do on the show. So, oh, I love this. Like this is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you can be who you are today. Oh my God, there's so many. For some reason, I cannot stop thinking as as I'm as I'm mulling this over of this bar in new york that anybody who's gay knows it's called the cubby hole yes in, in the west village um I, like i said there's a million answers i could give you to what you just said but like that's what just popped into my head five times in a row so it felt like it was the one to, to say yeah the cubby hole in the west village the first really lesbian bar because that we considered it i don't know if it's still mostly women but at the time i was going when i was at in college it was mostly women um, was the first like lesbian bar I went to where I just like looked around and I was like, hmm. oh, like everybody here is exactly like me. <laughs> and like there's and it's such a joyful place and it's such a fun place. And it's like it's playful. And it's I just my so many of my formative years in like figuring out who I was coming out, all that happened in those tiny, tiny four walls of that tiny little dive bar on West Fourth. So shout out to the cubby hole. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Shout out to the cubby. I've never, I've been there like multi, so many, multiple times. And I always, I think maybe it's just my age. I like didn't go there young enough, but I feel so awkward because I can't tell what I'm supposed to do if I'm not flirting with everybody. Because I think that's I the vibe that. of that place is I think you're supposed to be trying to, you're trying to, you're, you're trying to, you're oh, trying to 100%. smash. And uh, I'm just in there like, well, queer culture is is good for for me to know about you know like yes i don't know what to do i just stand there i think you are right it was the perfect place to go as like a very horny 19 20 21 year old <laughs> i haven't been back since so i don't know how i would feel now yeah. but as far as like going somewhere that is like a gay celebration of like sexuality and just like freedom that was the cubby hole for uh, sure we love it we love well, it uh you're awesome thanks again for taking time to talk and um of course thanks for thanks for your work on the show it's beautiful thank you really fun to watch thank you so much 